Fusapod, conversations about creativity, community, and the things that matter. Hi, I'm Li Shan from FUSA. I'm here with Diane Huang, and we're going to talk about design and health and where design can make people's health outcomes better, even in places that are unexpected. Mm-hmm. Diane, when we talk about design and health, we often think about the most obvious things, right? Like, say, the design of a doctor's office or the packaging design on some medicine that you're going to take. You were doing a very different kind of design that was focused more on patient behaviors. Can right. you tell me more about uh, the work that you did before? So I was working at a consultancy that turned into a design consultancy. What we did was work with pharmaceutical companies to help improve patient adherence. Um, Basically, adherence is this issue that no one's figured out for as long as our industry has existed. And adherence is just getting patients to remember to take their pills or to listen to their doctor's instructions. Exactly, right. Right. Um, To make behavior change, any kind of behavior change that comes out of a doctor's office. It's been an issue for a while. Like, no one's actually really figured it out and it's previously been addressed through like design for a pill box or or something like a app a reminder app on your phone and it's it's always been kind of addressed through these very quick touch points and what we wanted to do at our company was to try to address it at a deeper level and understand the psychosocial issues behind it and use kind of more comprehensive, tailored programs that are centered around personal call centers to make actual transformation or change for patients. So it's really about designing, it sounds like, a support system, right? So oftentimes, unless you're hospitalized as a patient, Mm -hmm. you're spending more time away from your doctor and from your medical team than with, and you're sort of on your own for most of the time. So how do you continue to take your pills or uh, follow your diet or whatever that behavioral thing is, Mm -hmm. right? And most patients are alone with that or they they depend on their family and friends Mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So how can you support that through design? I think we did it at a lot of different levels. We started even from print materials. We would provide more content about the psychosocial barriers because these are barriers that patients often aren't even thinking of themselves. So things like what is a social support network and starting getting the ball rolling on helping them think about that even as a concept and then even at the print material level having interactive exercises where patients could think through it write about it and have some memory attached to their to that thought process and value that as um, something that matters like social support is often thought of as like an el- elusive thing there's no like tactile it's not like a pill that you remember right. it's like there's no magic feeling. app for the social support app exactly yeah and like that kind of Something like that takes time and and like a true understanding of the patient. So how do you how do you like start um, plant that seed in patients' thinking and actions? So so print materials. We'd also um, we used a lot of different media. We used uh, text, websites, apps, sometimes um, email, basically all the digital forms um, of communication. But the key point of the program was to have everything be centered around a a nurse call center, so a personal point of contact that was constantly or periodically 
thinking about the structure of how those mediums would work together to to define the problem. I mean, I think that what we did well was challenge the assumption that adherence was is an issue that has to do with people forgetting something that happens at like a, a surface level, like it's a mistake or something. I think we acknowledged where we thought about the problem in a broader way. It's not really about people forgetting. It's about like people don't even like want to go to the doctor. They don't want to think or they, they don't want to think about themselves right. as having it's people a being people, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But thinking about patients as human beings basically and like really putting ourselves in their shoes, in their context, and recognizing that it's not this like simple fix. Right. Even though it's easy to talk about like that and to sell that idea. Yeah. yeah, and I think as design companies, there's often this desire to sell solutions or or just as problem solvers in general, like how do we have these quick fixes? But I think when it comes to something as complicated as adherence, right, mm-hmm. and, and people's health, people are complicated. It's not uh, so simple. Right. If I may synthesize a little bit what I've heard from you, it sounds like you were practicing something very, an approach that was very human-centered, right? Mm -hmm. Starting with the patient, starting with the nurses and thinking about how they work, how they're imperfect, right? They're not always uh, rational or predictable. You were also very much behaviorally driven. Like, what can you do? What can you design Mm -hmm. that gets people to change their behaviors Mm -hmm. around adherence? And then you were also platform agnostic, which I think is really important when we're thinking about design and health. It wasn't just the print brochures. It wasn't just the app. It was all of those things, right? Plus the call centers, plus the nurses. So thinking beyond these narrow silos of like medium, like you're not necessarily just a graphic designer or just of an app designer, but you're looking at these behaviors and you'll use yeah. all the tools available to you. Yeah. And even, and thinking about behaviors, not just as the way we conceptualize adherence is simple, but also complex. And we were thinking about how to change behaviors at a very small level, like trying to help people like have a conversation, write something down, interact with a piece of paper or use their app like those kinds of small things building up to the bigger thing and I think right. that's a unique way of thinking about behavior change too yeah thinking about more than one desired action right because whether right. you're in marketing or exactly. in anything else you're designing for some call to action whether it's take your pills or um, buy this device or whatever it is mm-hmm. but really you're looking at other things like engage with this workbook or talk to your nurse and so you're there's all of these other behaviors that are part of this behavioral change, and it's not just that one thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's more of a, a kind of lifestyle change rather than just changing one habit or behavior. Exactly, right. A lifestyle and a thinking change, too. A different way to like accept this new way of life for patients, which is a huge right. thing. You know, It's not just about just following doctor's orders. It's like accepting this disease, being in a place where you're like ready to accept the information and and then going on to like change these little actions and Mm -hmm. thinking about the bigger action, which is what is what our clients are interested in, that big change. I mean, after like a long time of all these different agencies not working out, it's like, yeah, let's try to approach it in a different way um, and acknowledge the bigger picture, the bigger issue. So, Diane, you're no longer working in this design for healthcare space, but mm-hmm. it sounds like you've got some interesting lessons and takeaways that you apply to your practice now. Mm-hmm. Are there? How do you apply these lessons to what you're doing now? One thing I'm taking away from it is how to think about behavior change in across any medium and at 
any level of interaction, there's always a way to think about the end behavior and and the different ways of interacting with something to support that end behavior. Um, right. So whether it's through print, whether it's through an app, um, a website, it's all kind of based on same, the same right. principles. And so I it's think, like start with what you want people to do first exactly. before you decide what medium you're going to work in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we actually met through the Do Tank, mm -hmm. which is a collaboration between Miles, Made in the Lower East Side, my firm FUSA, as, and Prime Produce, which is our uh, space sponsor and host. Mm -hmm. And you guys have been designing four different behaviors in a storefront, right? right. Like designing in real time with the community in yes. this Prime Produce storefront. Mm -hmm. How is that? What have you been getting out of this course? I think for me, it's the, the process is what brought me to do tank um trying to learn more about this process of of just doing like we tend to want to stick um to the that abstract conceptual like let's all align on an idea and the ways that can manifest i mean first of all that takes a lot of time and the more tactile or not tactile but um tangible that can be the better but that can manifest in a million different ways and instead of arguing about it <laughs> right especially in a like, team context exactly, right it's like yeah. you've worked in consulting if you've worked with clients and mm -hmm. i'm sure you have to design something sketch it out pitch a concept get approval mm -hmm. blah 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 and then right. you kind of do sometimes weeks months later exactly right? yeah and with the do tank you've got like what four or five weekends yeah. where you're literally moving boxes around yeah. and, and drawing things on paper, projecting things and really kind of getting people to behave in new, new ways, whether it's sharing their story about a coffee cup or talking about what their ideal coffee shop is or whatever that is, but it's doing something in a retail space beyond buying something, right? Because right. you're not even selling coffee yet because exactly. you're just experimenting. And I think the great thing about Do Tank is that you are introduced to a space and you work within that space and you're encouraged to to interact as much as possible with the real the actual people who are going to be be it, taking that space and i think typically in consultancies there's like this i mean there's like a physical there's a barrier in like all at all different levels of contact to the yeah. to the end like how do you get customer. from the, the mind space to the physical space right because right. often times i mean in most of our educations in college or you know business education it's very much about like the strategy and it's like all up here in our heads or right. in excel spreadsheets or in models right mm -hmm. and it's not in like let's just put something in physical space especially when it's low stakes mm -hmm. right because in this retail space it's not about kind of life or death or safety exactly. it's just about like how do we have richer social interaction Right. in these public spaces so why not do it in real time and kind of design almost in public right mm -hmm. how does that how did that feel having members of the public just kind of walking in off the street while you guys were designing in your teams it was challenging in a great way because we had to consider that interaction from the beginning we were designing for the interaction we had to constantly be challenged to actually meet that challenge 
<laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it was just you know, kind of, it was like a dialogue, right? Because we right. often think of design as this like waterfall process or this black box process of what designers do behind closed doors. Right. But this was like a real dialogue with your users, with your public of like, you did something and maybe they didn't behave in the way that you wanted them to. So you mm-hmm. had to change something, right? You had to change yeah. the size of something or the clarity of your language yeah. or, or the, the flow of your, your physical layout. I think like the time that it um, that comfortable period of time where you have an idea and it like grows in your mind and you become more confident in it like that kind of breaks down <laughs> right. like faster and in, yeah. in a good way. It's because, all of this sort of fail faster, fail forward kind of stuff, yeah, right? But in exactly. real time, live. Yeah, and you see people's like egos getting hurt too, including like my own. Like mm-hmm. when your idea doesn't work. It kind of sucks a little bit, but, uh, like, you need to face that. Right, but it's very clear when it doesn't work. Exactly, somebody yeah. just... You, you can't know, talk about how it. it might work. Yeah, it's not, know, a, yeah, it's not a hypothetical. Not right. It's not hypothetical at all. Yeah, and then there's just more clarity in the process. There's more... In, in that way, there's more clarity in, in the teamwork. Mm-hmm. And or you start to get a more intuitive sense of what might work and what, what, what might not. Indeed. In the space, yeah. Yeah, for me, teaching the course, I realized that, you know, it is a course about design and community. But my insight, having done this for the third year now, is that it really is a course in hospitality, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether or not you're actually working at a restaurant or at a, in a cafe, but as designers, how do we borrow from the service industries, the hospitality industries, to, to really understand our guests, right, our users, how do we host mm-hmm. and adapt what we do accordingly in real time? I think yeah. that's, I think it changes our considerations of what we do as designers, but also how we teach design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also, it's kind of a balance of hosting and also disrupting. It's mm-hmm. like, how do you intentionally use these things that traditionally that we feel comfortable to kind of like change something slightly or to we talk about community, but maybe people don't actually, it's uncomfortable to have, to right. start a community. And how do you instigate that? So do it in an intentional way, but also in a way that is able to kind of change and morph over time. So there's, right. yeah. Yeah. It's like the sort of, who's the first follower kind of situation, right? It's like that TED talk with the, or the right. TED video with the guy who's uh, dancing, dancing right? And it's like, it's easy to be the crazy first guy, actually, yeah. but who's the second person, mm-hmm. which leads to the third person, fourth person, et cetera, exactly. right? And I think yeah. when you're designing for community and these behaviors, it's not just about getting one person to come into your cafe, but mm-hmm. getting them to come into your cafe and then talk to somebody else in your cafe and, and designing for that intentionally, right? Yeah. And how do you yeah. get a dialogue of three people if that's what you want? Yeah, yeah, right. But also kind of challenging the traditional sense of hospitality. Like, we don't want to make another restaurant. We want to make a restaurant that has meaning, and to do that requires rethinking. That, or, like, how do you play with the pieces of hospitality? Right, yeah, and it's, like, about the behavior, right? It's not yeah. just about them buying the food or the coffee, but it's about them coming in. That's the draw that brings them in so that they can have a more robust right. interaction exactly. with somebody from the neighborhood. Right, right, right. Well, speaking of robust interactions, thank you, Diane, for coming <laughs> in uh, to speak to me today uh, to talk about your experience in designing for health and applying that to retail spaces and storefronts with the do tank. But I think this this idea of thinking about the behavior and thinking about that social aspect in context is really important. So I really appreciate those insights. Yep, thank you so much for having me. Fusapod. <laughs>